Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you bring, move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, we got something special now, I, don't I, we? I think we're more thrilled than normal, and I think that we should not do with our normal banter, and I think that we should just go to, to the voice of our generation. To what we have going on. Uh, Dan Baker, the public address announcer for the Philadelphia Phillies since 1972, among other things that he has done. Dan, you have been the voice of my life. Are you there right now? I am Jeff and Jason. Thank you. How does it make you feel when people say that um, they've grown up hearing you narrate uh, significant portions of their livelihood? Well, I'm very flattered. And uh, I can remember growing up in the 1950s and listening to the late, great Dave Zinkoff. Uh, you know, the uh, at that time, voice of the Philadelphia Warriors, uh, later uh, voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, of course. And uh, I, I later... Uh, had an opportunity to uh, be with Dave at uh, a number of different events, and it was always a, a point of great pride for me uh, to uh, share a dais or a microphone with the zinc. You you are a baseball lifer yourself. I was reading you, you started going to games with your dad at Connie Mack. Jeff and I talk regularly. He takes his son. I only have a two-and-a-half-year-old, but I remember a lot of my sports memories with my parents. Can you talk about what that was like to get your start and how you found your love of baseball with him? Well, Jason and Jeff, I'll never forget. Uh, my first uh, Phillies baseball game was in 1954. Now, that was also the last year of the Philadelphia Athletics wow. in Philadelphia, although I never saw a Philadelphia A's game at Connie Mack Stadium. However, I vividly remember my first trips to 21st Street and Lehigh Avenue, the site of Shy Park, also known as Connie Mack Stadium, and seeing the huge expanse of beautiful green grass in the middle of North Philadelphia. And I can remember taking the subway from Center City uh, you know, Broad up to Lehigh, and then walking the final seven blocks from Broad to 21st Street. And as I did, or when we would drive to the ballpark and park in the vicinity, seeing those lights, uh, the way it illuminated the sky, and of course the ballpark itself, it, it just reminded me of a cathedral. It was uh, just so awe-inspiring to me as a boy. And then, you know, seeing some of my heroes at the time, Robin Roberts, Richie Ashburn, Del Ennis, Stan Lopata. This is in the 1950s. And, uh, you know, just the sights and the sounds and the smells. I know it may sound trite, but it all grabbed me. And I became a Phillies fan through and through. Your description of, of a baseball game, I've often given that same description to Jason as I take my son to, to games. But Scott Palmer said about you, it's a sound. He's more than a PA announcer. He's a host. He's the only one in Major League Baseball who begins on the field. How did, how did that come about, you being on the field for, for the beginning of the games? Well, thank you for the question. 
and I think it is a, a very appropriate one. And uh, I can take no credit for that, although I'm very happy to do it. Uh, that really was uh, the idea of Bill Giles, who hired me in the fall of 1971 to start in April of 1972 as the Phillies PA announcer, and later Dave Montgomery, uh, when David uh, became the chief operating officer. And they always felt that it was better for the public address voice to be seen as well as heard, so that he or she wasn't some disembodied voice coming out of the speakers uh, who you could not see or did not know what they looked like, uh, and that it connoted uh, a more warm feeling to be able to see the person who was speaking to you. And so that's what you know. I've tried to do, and the Phillies have always tried to do, and we have a number, uh, 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 Jeff and Jason, of pregame presentations, as I'm sure you're familiar with, and whether it's uh, people throwing out a first ball, uh, singing the national anthem, providing pregame musical entertainment, uh, different uh, ceremonies, uh, the Phillies always felt that it was good to have their PA voice as a visible on-field host uh, to identify with the fans, uh, which I'm happy to do. And uh, I try to look into the stands, and although it's hard to pick out an individual face, uh, I, I try to address the fans as if I'm talking to them, you know, not shouting at them uh, or speaking to an unknown audience, and uh, I think it's played very well over the years. So I, I got to ask you: you ha you have a, a serious job when you're on the field, and there is there's a pesky green guy <laughs> who is running around. Has has he ever gotten to the point where you just say you got to get away from me? Or I mean, for me, it doesn't matter how many times I go to a Phillies game; he makes me laugh. If he's running around you and rubbing your head and doing stuff like that, does it does it ever get to you as you're doing your pregame activities? Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, you know, I, I've worked with uh, two of the greatest in the industry, uh, Dave Raymond, the original Philly fanatic, and Tom Burgoyne. And th they really kind of know their place, and they're brilliant performers. Uh, and yet they know that, they have a job to do and that I have a job to do. And uh, I have, at times, a voluminous script to follow. And, and they're, I think they're very sensitive to that, and they try not to uh, throw me off course, so to speak. You, you've been a radio announcer. You've been a PA announcer. Who influenced your style? It, it's so unique to me in, in what you do. Where did you come up with these ideas from, or did they just kind of adapt over time? Jason and Jeff, it's a compilation of a lot of the guys that I grew up with. I mentioned Dave Zinkoff uh, earlier, whom I admired greatly. But some of the, uh, I remember the Phillies PA voice of the 1950s uh, and, and 1960s. Uh, and, uh, geez, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, 
gosh darn. Uh, but uh, he he was terrific, and I I loved his delivery. I loved his style. Uh, n- nobody was as flamboyant uh, and as colorful as Day Zinkoff. Uh, he was just such a great personality. You know, um, when you talk, you mentioned Dave Zinkoff. Now I remember as a kid hearing him do the Moses, the call of Moses Malone's name, and Doctor uh, Doctor J mm-hmm. being Julius Irving, and, and and drawing that out. You've developed your own style with people like Chase Utley and Ryan Howard and Reese mm-hmm. Hoskins. How how do you come up? Is that something you just naturally come up with, or do you work on coming up with uh, how to make the presentations of the name? Because that's because that's part of it. Just like the walk up music. I mean, if I hear the song that Carlos Ruiz walked up to the plate for the ten years or so, that's what I think of when I hear it on the radio. Well, you know, guys, over the years, people have asked me who are my favorites uh, to uh, announce, and. I try not to choose favorites uh, because I, I don't want anyone else to feel that they're not important, you know, by comparison. Uh, however, it's only natural uh, that, uh, you know, the, the stars uh, take on greater meaning. Uh, for me, uh, I think the, the names that people identify with a lot of times are uh, – those uh, names uh, who have uh, multiple syllables in their last names that lend themselves to a more melodic interpretation. Shane Victorino. Like now batting for the Phillies, number 12, second baseman, Mickey Morandini. I could just listen to you read names for our show for a whole hour, just so you know. I. It just it, it it puts me right in the seat at the ballpark. It, I don't I don't know you know what's it like for you when you go to a game and you're not calling it and you hear somebody else calling a game. Do do you have that experience too, where it immediately takes you there? You know, I don't get to a whole lot of games anymore when when I'm not an you know. Of course, I do all the Phillies home games, and uh, you know, I just finished my 48th year. Jeff and Jason, and uh, to the best of my knowledge, there are only two public address announcers in the history of Major League Baseball who've announced uh, for more years than I have, and that would be Bob Shepard of the New York Yankees, uh, who announced uh, for 57 years from 1951 through 2007, and Pat Piper of the Chicago Cubs, who announced at Wrigley Field from the time it opened in 1916, it was then named Wiggum Park, and I believe two years later it was renamed Wrigley Field when the Wrigley family bought the Cubs and renamed the stadium after themselves. And uh, Pat Piper uh, performed uh, brilliantly also, uh, at uh, Wrigley Field from 1916 through 1974. Um, you know, I did the Philadelphia Eagles public address announcing uh, from 1985 uh, through 2013. And uh, even though the Eagles replaced me uh, following the uh, 2013 season, uh, I was fortunate enough to be hired by Xfinity Live. 
Yeah, you call you call the games live. I've, I've been down and there. And I'll before. be there this Sunday. Yeah, we, uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings as we recreate the in-stadium atmosphere uh, at uh, Xfinity Live, which has a big 32-foot LED screen. And, uh, you know, I'll make a lot of the same signature calls that I did when I uh, had the privilege of doing the Eagles public address announcing, first at Veterans Stadium, later at Lincoln Financial Field. And it kind of gives you that in-stadium feel. And they, they will get thousands of people there. It's it's quite an experience because, you know, you'll have a lot of people that are who don't who might not have tickets for the game because uh, obviously the Eagles sell out for every game, and uh, they have a big waiting list. I think of fifty thousand or more uh, for season tickets. So a lot of people will uh, come and park in the parking lot surrounding the stadium, and uh, they'll either stay at their cars and listen or watch uh, the game, or, or they'll come into Xfinity Live. Many of them will, and uh, it's quite an experience. Yeah, I may have done that a time or two. <laughs> I may have gone down there just for the experience. You've also done something you know, on my bucket list for years was go to an Army-Navy game, and this year I finally got to do it and be a part of that experience. You've been the PA announcer for those games when they've been in Philly. What's that yeah. like? Because that, to me, that's the most amazing thing that I've seen. <laughs> Well, you know, Jason and Jeff, uh, uh, I'm very patriotic, and I hope that uh, we Americans uh, appreciate uh, when I ask our fans to stand for the national anthem, uh, the uh, importance that I attach uh, to that song and um, the privilege that, that we have. Uh, living in this country. And uh, it is in keeping with that patriotic feeling that in announcing the Army-Navy game, what a great, great tradition. Uh, and in all of those years, you know, the uh, more than three-fourths of the Army-Navy games have taken place in Philadelphia, at Franklin Field, at the old uh, Kennedy Stadium, Municipal Stadium, Veterans Stadium. Now, uh, the city, uh, Larry Needle and the Sports Congress hired me to start doing the Army-Navy football game, PA, uh, in uh, 2003, uh, the first year of Lincoln Financial Field. Now, the Army-Navy game isn't played in Philadelphia every year, but once again, uh three-fourths of the time it is here in philadelphia it's such a great tradition uh, and uh it's an honor for me and uh in this role uh besides introducing all of the great athletes that uh, perform for army and navy uh on a couple of occasions i've had the privilege to introduce the president of the united states of america as i also did at the 1976 Major League Baseball All-Star Game at Veterans Stadium. Wow. You know, it, it's, a, it's amazing all the history you've been a part of. But for me, the history, and, and yes, we didn't end up in the playoffs this year, but what, what I will always most remember your voice for 
in, in the context of sports was 2008. What was it like for you to say, ladies and gentlemen, world champion Philadelphia Phillies? Oh, I can't tell you how proud it was uh, for me to, to be able to make that pronouncement. Uh, I, you know, growing up a Phillies fan, and you know, uh, by the time I started following the Phillies, uh, the, the the Whiz kids uh, who won the pennant in 1950 and lost to the New York Yankees in the World Series uh, were fading. And uh, although they were great players and were a contending team for most of that decade, from 1950 through 1960, uh, you know, they only won the National League pennant that first year, 1950. And, of course, there was the heartbreaking uh, loss in 1964 when the Phillies had a six-and-a-half game lead with 12 to go and couldn't quite hold on. However, uh, the 1980. Now I started in 1972, and uh, then the Phillies won the World Series in 1980, and uh, of course returned to the World Series in 1983 when they lost to the Orioles, and returned to the World Series again in 1993 when they lost to the Blue Jays. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, don't remind. <laughs> don't remind us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was in Toronto. My wife and I were in Toronto. Jason and Jeff, when Joe, uh, Joe Carter hit that walk-off, and we, we walked off when that happened. We went right out, <laughs> disdained the fan bus back to the team hotel and w- walked you know, the 12 blocks or whatever it was, you know, back to the uh, hotel. And, uh, you know, it was great history being there, but, you know, it was a big disappointment. Every time we see Pat and, Borders, I remind him how much that shaped my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, and uh, then 2008, of course, like 1980, and you asked me, you know, how uh, it felt. Well, you know, being a lifelong Phillies fan and a, a fan of all Philadelphia sports, that is the penultimate. You know, the Phillies winning the World Series, you know, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, uh, the Eagles winning the NFL championship in 1960. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers winning the NBA title with Wilt Chamberlain in 1967, 66-67, you know, 82-83, you know, with Dr. J and Moses Malone and, oh, man. And, of course, the Philadelphia Flyers and winning the Stanley Cup in 74 and 75. And, you know, we're very, we're very, very lucky to grow up in Philadelphia. Without a doubt. We cannot thank you enough for joining us on the show. We appreciate the time. We'll have to stop by and say hello next year when we're down there at the stadium. And I wish you the best of luck as you keep chasing Bob Shefford and, and those records. Thank you, Jeff and Jason. Have a great weekend. You have a great one. Thank you. Jeff, how special was that?
it's you know there there are what we've we've been lucky to have some of the voices of philadelphia in here lou nolan, lou nolan being another one. yeah wouldn't you love to just like get them all together i just want to hear them all talk to each other that's like my childhood all in one cross conversation. we should like set up a card game right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just have all the, the public the, address announcers yeah, I mean, come to a card game because with the we, you know he said it in a different context but we are lucky to be in philadelphia with the voices that we have not just not in 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 the stadiums and arenas on the radio on tv we really do have and have had for a long time some of the best voices without, in sports going back without yeah. a doubt all right i'm going to leave that there and i'm going to calmly talk about the playoffs before we go playoffs. to the phillies i'm going yeah. to transition okay from happy yeah. with dan baker uh-huh. to it's playoffs. playoff time, yeah. and we like baseball, uh-huh. to what the Phillies did today at their press conference. Yep. So before we get there, uh, these series, what did you think? We saw the dominance of Garrett Cole. You know I want them to back up Brink's truck. Yeah, I know Even you if he wants to go to the West Coast, just make him the offer. He was dominant again. 15 and a half innings pitched in that series, allowed six hits, three walks, 25 strikeouts. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I thought the Astros honestly blew it because – I don't get why they had Verlander, who's 36, 37 come years in old, game and- come in on short rest. And I, and I know Verlander wanted a ball. Uh, that's the way he is. He's a competitor. But as a manager, it's your job to say, you know what? You're amazing. We're going to get to the manager's rest- job in a second. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. No, I'm talking about their manager. I'm not uh- talking about <laughs> our former manager. But there have been a lot of boneheaded managerial decisions. And the same thing with the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, Dave Kershaw and all that money and all that talent. And the Dodgers three years in a row are not the world champions. And they, they logically should be at least one of those years, if not all three of those years. And, you know, 10th inning grand slam by Howie Kendrick. Well, there's there's no way that the pitcher that was in should have been in. You have Kenley Jansen there and he doesn't come in until after the grand slam is given. Damage up. is done. But with Kershaw, you know, they keep putting these guys in positions they're not used to being in. And you look at the numbers for who they had up and bringing Kershaw in made no sense. And after he gave up the first home run, if you looked at his face, it was like this. I mean, he's one of the great pitchers of our generation, right? The regular season pitchers. He struggles and in the playoffs. people running, running over his jersey right now in LA. Yeah, which is ridiculous. I'm throwing it but, on the field. Because you don't get to the playoffs without Kate, Clayton Kershaw each year. But it, you, the look on his face was of despondence. Yes. And, and at that point, the manager should have say, I, I got to get him out. And he's not the best matchup for the next guy. And he leaves him in there. And Soto hits that the home run on the next pitch. pitch. And you see Kershaw just basically go to his knees. Yeah. He knew it. Right. He knew it. And, and and the manager, that's part of managing, is knowing your personalities. And he did not do a good job doing it. But the Astros at least get to move on. I'm assuming whoever wins the Astros-Yankees series, series is going to win the World so Series. So we've got Astros-Yankees, Cardinals, Nationals in the next round. Yep. Uh, Braves get blown out in Game Five, give up a ten spot in the first inning. <laughs> in the first inning, you hate ha- to see have that. Have you don't ever you? seen somebody put in a defensive replacement in the first <laughs> inning? Because <laughs> no. they did. Well, I'm sure Gabe did it <laughs> one time in his two years here. All right, let's get to Gabe. Uh, yeah. I know you were in court today, and yeah. you didn't watch this. Uh huh. This is 57 minutes of my life I can never get back. The, did I, you time it? Or are you making up the 57? No, part? it was a 57 minute press really? conference. Okay, approximately just about under Who? an hour. Um, the three of them, Clentac, so, McPhail, and Middleton sitting up okay. there. Look, we all want 
our ownership and leaders to speak mm-hmm. until they start talking. <laughs> and, and this, well, what this, are they going to say? I, I don't understand. It looked like until all they were you hire to talk, somebody. What's the difference? They were getting questions about their decision making process for personnel. Uh-huh. Um, you know what's going to happen. It seems like McPhail admitted that Clintac wanted to keep Gabe and was overruled by Middleton. Right. So what authority does Clintac have right now, according to? Middleton in the press conference, it's a, if it's a $2 million free agent, mm-hmm. Clintac can do whatever he wants. But if it's a Bryce Harper type of guy... What is this, like an insurance that. adjuster where uh, you get a certain uh, amount of authority and then you got to go to the manager? I'm, I'm telling you, they did not. They came off as defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, they came off as, frankly, unprepared right. for all of the questions they were going to get about the makeup of this team and the thought process they go into in both developing their roster and choosing the people who will help develop it as professionals. It did not reflect well. Uh, one of the things that was most interesting to me was the ability of blaming the coaching staff on talent evaluations, saying that they're involved with valuations. They mm-hmm. also said that, can't do that they had carryover issues from last year. What does that mean? That means they, they didn't ri- fix things this offseason. No, but what is carryover? They got rid of Carlos they, Santana. It means that they say that the issue is not the people that they brought in in the offseason. It's, it's the, the people guys who that they brought there. back. From. Nothing oh. says we like you and respect you like uh, carryover issues. Yeah. I, I mean, it was... I could not believe what I was listening to. It did not make anything better for me. And I'm going to ask you again. Matt Klintak is now in charge of choosing the next person. Do you have confidence? Do you want you want to just go back and we can just replay last week's conversation? Do you have confidence? Because did I not tell you this was what was going to happen? In what is about to happen. They're going to now go out. They couldn't even, they were asked, what type of manager are you looking for? And they basically said they can't speak in hypotheticals. It's not a hypothetical. It's a realistic situation. You have a job interview that you have to do, right. You know, you got people coming in. What are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody with coaching experience who uh, will know not to bring in a reliever that isn't warmed up in his first game that he can never recover from two years later? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for? You, a- ask, you know, you asked me that question this afternoon, and I—that's th- what I said to you. Is uh, you say you asked me how he will- never recovered yeah. from that first mistake in the first. Well, game. not only did he not recover from it, he continued to make similar. Now he didn't—he didn't do something that ridiculous, but but his. Uh, you asked me this afternoon, what will I remember him for? And it will be the mismanagement of the bullpen and his inability to discipline his team in, in a way that he would be respected. And and that that's about, Gabe is a good guy. He's a really smart guy. I do believe he's a really smart guy. But but the way that this team was managed, nobody got better. And I think that nobody. falls. Nobody. In fact, people got worse. Yeah. The star and the face of your franchise. They have ruined Reese Hoskins. Hoskins right, right now. He is so far in his head with analytics coming out of his ears right now. Well, because they that kept he's telling him to take a pitch. Swinging the bat and hitting the ball, Remember which what, is what, what he's good at. What did Ricky Botalico tell they us tell two weeks ago? Take a pitch. Yeah, he he said, "Did anybody, when you were a little kid, tell you to to walk? No, you you go up there to hit. He's a hitter." And they, th- at times, they had him at the top of the lineup, which is messing with a cleanup hitter. Th- this whole thing just seemed backwards. It took them a week and a half to decide to fire him. Well, that I, they brought that, back but some you, other that coaches. I don't worry about. They brought back some other coaches. How do you know the new manager is going to want them? You've I, signed apparent, all these different coaches. Well, see, but doesn't that tell you that maybe it's going to be somebody on that staff? Like Dusty Wathen. You've wanted now, him for years. I, well, I did. I wanted him before they hired Gabe. I don't think that Gabe. the fan base will accept that. Well, you know what? So this is another thing. I'm not thing. telling you you're this wrong. This is another thing because I've heard this from national reporters today. Is They, they all want to say that this is the Philadelphia fans' fault. 
that they got Gabe, Gabe Kapler fired, and that no, is a, Gabe Kapler got himself uh, fired. I'll bleep myself, but that's a bunch of bleep. And because frankly, it's ridiculous. Matt you can't Klintek, blame the fan. Matt Klintek and Andy McPhail did just enough to get Gabe Kapler fired and save their own job. You know, Middleton was in that press conference. Well, that, that's trying, that's how upper management works. Trying to defend <laughs> their bullpen in the last two months of the season. There was and none. the moves that they made and the war. And it's like. Dude, you just fired your manager. You missed the playoffs. The Nationals, who you took their player from, is moving on. Mm -hmm. Beating the Dodgers, who everybody said, why try and challenge them? You look terrible. Just go up there and say, we're going to get it right. Don't be defensive. It didn't work. Don't have a press conference until you actually hire somebody. And then have a press conference and talk about all the good things. Oh. And that's that's why here's the, I know I know everybody wants Girardi. Okay? I don't know. I don't want Madden at this point either, by the way. I don't think Madden's coming here. I think Madden's going out west. But I, yeah, think, I think that Showalter is somebody that they want, and I don't want him either. Well, I thought Showalter might end up in San Diego because he worked with Manny Machado, and Machado apparently is pushing to get Showalter. How about Kurt Schilling? He wants the job. I, you know, I, I don't even want to discuss. It's, it's just ridiculous <laughs> that Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Schilling would even think. I that just they wanted really to set you off on the air. No, you're not going to. The guy that I want is Raul Abanez. I know he's never been a manager before. He's a really. He's the kind of guy that would be perfect in the in the clubhouse. He's the kind of guy people will respect because he was a winner. And he was up for the Marlins job and smartly took himself out of the running. So I don't know if I'm naive to say this or just yeah. scarred from this Gabe Kapler experiment. Mm -hmm. I'd prefer he be a bench coach on my team first no. before he's a manager. No, I, 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 I really I'm I'm hesitant. I just I'm I'm a scorned lover. I'm mm -hmm. hesitant to go back there well, with somebody got who's I'm got addressing that. who's got no experience mm -hmm. in what they're doing managing these these players. You have some stars on this team with a lot of holes that you need to fill and fix. Right. You need somebody well, who's going to be GM. able to manage those what? personalities. You know, Dan Baker was talking about all the different types of personalities. You, you were talking about the personalities. You mm -hmm. need somebody who's going to be able to manage those different yeah. personalities. And, and Raul Abanez was a guy who who was a leader in the clubhouse. He, uh, If you've ever heard him on the air, I mean, he's extremely intelligent. I think that he'll do really well here. All right. That's going to be your take for there. Mm -hmm. Why don't we talk for a second about what we're doing in a couple of weeks, then we'll head to break, then we'll come back and we'll hear whether you have made the Delaware Blue Coats. Go for it. All right. What are we doing uh, October 22nd, Jeff? You got any plans? Apparently I do now. You want to go hang out with Deshaun Jackson? Sure. Uh, so we're going to go to MSC Authentics and Framing. They're hosting a public autograph signing with the Philadelphia Eagles star receiver Deshaun Jackson from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Jeff and I will be Eastern there. Eastern time? Eastern time. You Mark your calendar. Mm -hmm. Jeff will be doing there a little broadcast from there, talking mm -hmm. to little eagles with the fans that are in line as Deshaun signs some autographs. Any chance that I can like go out on the street and guard them? You got to ask Since about I've been that when we out get for there. All this stuff? First, go buy your tickets. They're right. available for purchase in store or online at www.mfcauthenticsandframing.com. For more information, call MFC Authentics and Framing is 856 535 They're located in Heritage Square Shopping Center on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. And I bet you he's back by now. Sports lets people live their dreams, overcome obstacles, and achieve goals. But what's your unimaginable? Do you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself? To push your limits? The A Fatty clothing brand believes we're all capable of going far beyond we previously imagined. To overcome your obstacles and achieve your goals. Life gives you the chance to push harder, to dream bigger, and to do whatever it takes to conquer the unimaginable. And to do it with A Fatty on you, the original street leisure clothing brand. 
taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field, it's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. All right, Jeff, are you over the euphoria of being at Wells Fargo Center the other night? Not because you saw the new scoreboards or the redecorating. The scoreboard is nice. We'll get to that in a yeah. second. It looked like the Sixers won the title after Ben Simmons no, had a three-point like shot in a meaningless preseason game before the half. Uh-huh. Give me your I was first-hand there. take it was, it was... on the craziness that ensued so he dribbles up the court it's the end of the half they're up by 150 <laughs> and, and and ben simmons is coming up and the entire arena in unison including yells, joel Embiid. shoot yeah joel starts running over to him and waving his arms to shoot and he takes a shot and he makes it and the i i was at the world series when they won it was louder in the arena because he made a three-pointer and and then Ben Ben Simmons gets hugged by his teammates. The inti- we were, we were they're throwing right, towels up on the bench. We were standing right by we, our seats are right behind the bench, and and they're jumping. I'm the getting players. news alerts on my phone pushed to me that it, Ben Simmons did a three pointer. I, I you know look, I'm happy that he. I've told you before. I thought he could shoot. I saw it in practices. He he can shoot, but making a sh- an uncontested three pointer against a Chinese professional team in an exhibition game where they're up by more points than I can count doesn't really give me any level of confidence. I'm not putting him down for it. I'm just saying. It's it was Markel Fultz worthy. I mean, it was no, it, no, that was much prettier than Markel Fultz. No, no, no. He but still I'm, has the same but, hitch going but, on. But remember when Markel Fultz literally shot the ball and people started cheering? It's yes. it's very odd that people say that Philadelphia fans are so critical when I've been in the arena supportive. for both of those things. Yes, and it, it's it's a very odd dynamic. Fultz still has the same hitch in his shot in Orlando. You see him playing now? Uh, they, they, I don't think they like him down there. You think? No. I, I, uh, the, the Sixers games aren't going to be on TV tonight or Sunday. You surprised? Why? I don't know. Tell me why that is. I, I'm surprised. What by exactly that. is on tonight that we can't that, that we can't watch the Sixers? Tonight? Well, wrestling went to broadcast. TV, oh, I don't so. care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you had your wrestling show earlier this year. There's, That's it. Explain to me why college, I can't there's watch some it. college football going on. Now, I will tell you just one thing. We were sitting. Excuse me, by Mar- Mariel Shyock's family and another one of the players. And it is really cool to see the family's reaction. Shyock came in late in the game and played really well. And just to see his parents' reaction to that was just, it was a really cool experience to just see, you know, their, them, their kids in their first professional game. And we're going to have Bluecoats coach Connor Johnson on shortly. What was it like to see some of the Bluecoats there playing? Oh, I thought it was really cool. Uh, you know, when they got in the game, Haywood struggled a little bit, but uh, you know, Shake Shake is going to be a player on this team. You know, people keep talking about he's going to start tonight at the point guard. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it is. I think he's he's got a chance to to move ahead and to maybe even Trey Burke. It seems like he, he Trey Burke and and Neto are you know kind of in the the running for that number two spot at the point guard. Yeah, but you, you have you have a much better stable of point guards now than you did last year. But you have point you guards. Have, you, have, you have ball handlers now. You have a, you have a, a, 
more than enough ball handlers, which is really nice. We, they added size and they added ball handlers. I think those they don't have as many three point guys, but you know you know who the other guy is that looked good though. Oh, their their first round pick. Daddy. He looked great when he was in there. Well, um, I've brought on uh, an expert to talk about whether you're a future player that will be making a difference. Current uh, player. C- Coach Connor Johnson, are, are you there? I am. What's going on? Uh, I am not even going to ask you about my performance at the tryout because we all know how that went. But Jeff's performance, you got the chance to coach Jeff Cohen. How special was that for you? Oh, no. <laughs> I kind of threw on or something, bro. I'm excited. <laughs> a chance I got to do it, but he was great. I think he kind of got in the flow of things as we got going. I think maybe maybe a little overwhelmed by some of the athleticism in the gym, but that's all, Joe. That's because I was in the gym. Wait, are, are you say, overwhelmed by the athleticism <laughs> in the gym? That's a nice way Wait, of saying you stay. That your way of saying I was out of shape? Maybe. <laughs> we were going for some real, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe we're going for some real criticism there. Oh, no, no, no. We, no, no. we appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even gotten to me. I couldn't even dribble through my legs. So don't even worry about that. You you could yeah. take Jeff you on all you want. It? I, it was a blast. You know you know what the cool thing was? The next I, morning I didn't. Yeah, so the yeah. next morning Jeff texted, uh, I texted Jeff, um, are you alive? And he said, barely. And he texted me back, are you moving? And I wrote back slowly. That was the extent of our <laughs> Sunday conversation after our tryout. So, you know, we achieved our goal. We did not pull anything or tear anything. And we walked out under our own power that day. But um, the experience there was really pretty fantastic. I, I had mentioned it to Jeff, I got there early, and so I got to watch a lot of the players trying out come in with their shoes, with their gear, with their ball, all the different ways they came there, subway, Uber, taxi, walking, friends coming, family coming, and them just you know going out there and chasing their dreams. There was people from that played all around the world trying to get a spot. There was a former first-round pick there. So to me, it was just cool to watch all these guys go out there and chase that dream and continue that journey. And, and I thought that the basketball, I learned a lot about basketball IQ. Uh, you know, people don't understand how hard it is to learn all the things that you're teaching and how quick these guys are able to pick up on it, which which I learned when you grabbed me and told me that I needed to be <laughs> somewhere that I wasn't. <laughs> But, Try to help you get in the right, <laughs> the right spot at the right time. No, that's all that is. Uh-huh. But, but, you know, what is it like for you to go through that experience of talent evaluation as a coach? And, and also, do you feel a lot of pressure to find the right talent knowing that, that you're making and breaking some of these people's dreams? Yeah, I think you're right on that it's uh, it's a difficult thing to do and it's a good responsibility knowing that these guys have put a lot of time into it and this is their careers on the line. Um, I think I get lucky that we have a general manager that handles most of this when it comes to the, the player acquisition piece and he does a really nice job of finding guys who, who have high potential and could potentially develop into the NBA players. But I think what you guys got to see, I hope as well, is just how competitive it is to play in the G League and what a high level of basketball the G League is. And that guys can play in front of a ton of backgrounds and a ton of different places and they show up at a G League tryout and there's a lot of other talented players and the cream of that crop might be able to play in the G League, might not, kind of depending on how it works out with their opportunity. But it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing. It's a very high level league. And with that, we got to find the guys who, who can play at that level, are talented enough to play at that level, 
have the opportunity to be developed, hopefully into NBA players, but then fit the Sixer culture. So, like we're saying, it's a tough job. There's a lot that goes into it. And I'm, I look at it sometimes like when the players show up, I'm excited to coach them. I'm glad I don't have to be the only one to choose them. Well, you, you know you'll have at least part-time two players. You'll have, you'll have Norvell Pell and you'll have Marielle Shyock. What is it like for you to, one, have Norvell coming back, and then also, if you've had a chance to see Marielle, including the other night at the Wells Fargo Center, are you excited to see him on a court in Wilmington? Yes. I mean, the answer is yes to all of that. To, to start with Norvell, I mean, Norvell is a great story for our development program and what we want to do. Is that He came, he was a normal G League player last year, he played well enough and at a high enough level that our NBA team is interested in him. Now he gets to be a two-way, and that's exactly what this is about, developing these guys who can become useful Sixer players. And so uh, personally, I couldn't be more thrilled for Norvell. I think this is a great opportunity for him. He's looked good so far in the uh, Sixer camp when he gets in. He gets his opportunities and his reps, and he's, you know, I think he's really handling all of that very well, and I'm excited to still get him back because he helps out our team in Delaware a lot when we have him. You guys were then, uh, talking oh, sorry. about Mario. Sorry, he, uh, he, he, he's been shoot, shooting really well kind of since we've ever had him. And he's got an incredible ability to score in a variety of ways. He's shown that in his college career. And that's something that translates really quickly to all levels. And so it's for him, it's like, how does he figure out how to play efficiently? How does he figure out to play when he's not the number one scoring option on the court? And then defensively, to hold his own, to compete the way that he needs to, to kind of get the minutes with the Sixers. So it's been great. Both those guys, I think, have done really well in training camp, and it was great to see both of those guys get an opportunity playing last week and their kind of first real NBA experience. But I'm excited. It's good, man. It's good to get both those guys in our program, two quality people, and then keep keep building with Norvell and see what we got there with Mario. So the ne- the next it looks like the next dates on the calendar is you have the draft the G League draft coming up on I believe October 26th and then you have training camp on October 28th where Jeff will be participating right do I need to find a new co-host for the show Wait. I'm not I'm not trying to rush yeah. him out the door or anything there we go <laughs> <laughs> the, the cliffhanger everybody's just waiting <laughs> to find out um, how, how excited are you to to get going and, and to have training camp and to know that you are last year were, you were kind of the barnstormer team the first half of the season almost exclusively being on the road except for a couple trips down to Newark and and the Wells Fargo Center what's it like to now go into your building from day one play the first home games at home against the Red Claws how exciting is that for you I I can't wait I mean. The summer, there's a lot of good things we can do during the summer. We get the summer league. We get to kind of go out and build our team the way we want to. But but now it's go time. Now it's get the guys in the gym. Like you said, having our facility like we do in Wilmington and being able to have that full time is an incredible asset for us. And now it's all these players we went out and got and that we kind of are putting a lot of effort into. It's time to, to do what we're supposed to, and that's develop these guys into – into Sixer players, people that can contribute in the future. And so that's what we look for. That's what I'm excited about starting to do. And you can see we built a lot of things last year. We kind of laid the foundation for our team, for how we wanted to play. We got better every third as we went along. And now hopefully we can kind of just let let that be our springboard, let that be our jumping off point here into our, our second year. All right. Well, you're, you're a California kid. 
uh, grew up and, and played at Torrey Pines High School, I believe. Now, the first thing I think of when I hear Torrey Pines is golf. Did you play when you were a kid? No, no I don't. I mean, Torrey Pines is beautiful. It's uh-huh. on, on the beach right there overlooking the ocean. But Torrey Pines High School is a couple blocks away, and no, never really golf. Uh-huh. But, Sounds but like I you have the I played golf. for a really good high, high school coach. He's from this area. He went to Bishop Eustis, played at Villanova, actually got drafted by the Sixers. And he now was a big influence on you for a long time. So he's kind of taught me a lot about the game, and my, my focus was kind of always with him playing basketball. And, and and from what I understand, he was actually a big influence on you, and and you becoming a coach out east. A hundred percent. He's a, he's an incredible high school coach, very successful. His name's John Olive, and he was a, a, I think a heck of a player, kind of back in his day too. But I really felt like I learned the game, the basics from him went to his camp, went to watch every game they played with his high school team, and that's when I kind of fell in love with basketball and decided that if that could become a career, it's probably something worth looking into. Well, it sounds like if I want a chance to compete with you anywhere, I should take you golfing as opposed to going out to play some basketball. (laughs) But No um... doubt. I think that might be... That might be where you got me for sure. We we definitely <laughs> are excited to to season see the season get going. Uh, I'm available for Waterboy if you need any help, since I clearly didn't make the team. Uh, but we really do uh, appreciate you letting us come out there and and go through that experience and see what it's like and be able to talk about it with the fans and and talk about what you go through as a coach and what the team goes through. And yeah, how- I think it's great, like you said, just to kind of promote the message of what the G League is like, what the G League's about. I- I've enjoyed getting to know you guys, and it's great to see you in a different light with the jersey on running around. <laughs> well, one, one other thing. The building that you're, you've now gotten a chance to travel around the G League, you have a, an amazing new building down in Wilmington. What's it like for you to be the coach in that building, and what is it like for the players to play in, in, in a premier building in the league? It's really neat. I think it's the best building in the G League. I think it's just you walk in and you're blown away by the natural light and the size. And then I think for a fan to come in and watch and get that close of access to the players and see just how strong they are, how quick they are, how fast they are, how talented they are. From a, you sit from 10 feet away and you get to see it. I think it kind of blows people away. So from that from that aspect, I think it's incredible. And then our guys like having – something to be proud of, something where they know they can come in and they can work every day. They got everything they need to be successful from the training room to the weight room with our weight staff. So getting on the court and working with the development coaches that they get what they need to help them kind of reach their potential and see what they can do and see what this career can turn out for them. So we're really lucky to have it. Excited to get a year or two going in the building full time and see what we have ahead of us. You mentioned players reaching their potential. When should Jeff report? <laughs> whenever he's ready you know <laughs> we need as much media coverage as we can so when he comes <laughs> we'll take there, there you go jeff we've, we've got you in there we've got another job to add to the business card title okay coach thanks so much for the time as always we wish you the best of luck as the season gets started and we can't wait to see you down there and see what the team does thanks guys great talking to you as always have a great one jeff Anytime you want. I don't know. It didn't sound like I made it. He it said, didn't he said, sound he said like we, he didn't said, make it, though. He said we need media. <laughs> it, okay. He never actually said you didn't make the team, though. If we're going by semantics, 
He never is, said that. Is, I didn't is, make the team either. So, so is that like if you ask a girl to prom and she doesn't say no and she just laughs and walks away? Does that mean you can say, well, technically she didn't say no? I wasn't rejected. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So do you not feel rejected after that? No, I'm, I'm looking forward to this season. The Sixers, the Blue Coats, just, just basketball. I'm it's, glad it's back. It's you know? definitely going to be a fun time. Um, With or without Ben's three-point shooting. We're going to leave the basketball there. By the way, one other thing. Tobias Harris comment about that he's the it was really funny saying that he's the best three-pointer shooter in the league he's he's a, he's, he's he's a thousand, thousand percent <laughs> yes. look you know what um reality is perception uh-huh. <laughs> and so you just keep talking it and make it real okay make it happen can uh, we talk about something that we haven't had a chance to talk about in a while do i know what you're going in flyers which... oh did you see Carter Hart save point blank against the Devils? Does that I mean does that not just get you excited? Uh, first of all, it, they won abro- abroad, which was a good game, but they came home and in the opener they beat their rival, the Devils. They're with, one of five undefeated teams in the league with Wayne Simmons returning to the building, and I thought they did a classy job with how they they handled that and doing a little tribute to him. And then they went about shutting out the Devils, getting scoring from the young guys, and. And the hopeful savior in net, Carter Hart, pitching a shutout. Now, you're the guy who always says that we overreact to players. Is Do you not feel like you're overreacting to Carter Hart? No, he's, because he's real because I because I, I thought he was real when he was in the minors. I thought it was going to take time. And and remember, we've had guys on that cover the Flyers day to day and say, look, it's going to take time with him, but he's the real deal. And last year he came up and he was the real deal. He's, there were There were games that he didn't do well. But overall, he had a really good season. He had a great offseason. And I'm not going to tell you that he's going to the Hall of Fame, but he flashes potential that we haven't had here in eons. I'm not going to get overly excited yet, but they're playing a different brand of mm-hmm. hockey to start Well, you the get season. excited about Gritty? Okay, well, that's the real yeah. star of the second <laughs> game. Gritty's trolling of P.K. Subban saying Lindsey Vaughn could do better pointing to himself. Classic. He's fantastic. He wins every time. Gritty wins. He does. He definitely uh, wins. Although, I have to tell you, I'm not a fan of this rage room. As an attorney. Are you worried you're going to hurt yourself? Well, I'm not going. There? I, there is no way I'm going in there. <laughs> now, I, I get they'll probably have you sign a waiver, and they're, they're going to put a face shield on you and everything else. You're an attorney. Do you look forward to like tearing that waiver apart? <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, Flyers, if you need somebody to represent you with those, uh, you're going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> you're there. Uh, why don't we get to some football before we get off the air today? we got okay. about eight minutes left to talk. Uh, Eagles beat up on the Jets. No real surprise there. Defense shocker. <laughs> gets puts up 10 sacks. Uh, offense still struggles a little bit, but it was kind of a get-back game. Dallas loses again. Everybody's. By, by the way, how does Adam Gaze have a second coaching job? I don't know how he got the first coach. Well, he got oh. the first co- coaching job because of Peyton Manning. But yeah, but he, ever since he hasn't he been with not, him, he been, is not a head coach. No. No, and I, a, I have a couple of Jet fan friends who... Um, would agree with one, me. Okay, so one of them likes Gase. Yeah. I think he's got green glasses. The other right. one hates Gase with a fiery and passion. And do you like their unit for the New York No, uniform? I hate them. Yeah. I wish they'd just go back to the original 1967 yep, Jets but uniforms. Yep, but the Cowboys, Cowboys? Not so good, huh? No, look, they, they are... Talk, talk about overreacting. They played the three worst teams in the league in their first three games, and everybody was talking about the Cowboys' offense. And the Cowboys finally played two real teams, and look what's happened. Yeah, it's it, look. Dak uh, Prescott no longer looks like Joe Montana. Dak Prescott's 
Prescott is starting to get the narrative that he can't win the big games. He's starting to have. Well, I wouldn't call say these the big games, but but the games against the best teams. He plays hmm. well against teams with losing records. And there's people who most are good qu- quarterbacks do. <laughs> there's people who are questioning his ability now. Like right. I, you know, Wentz has to win the same thing. Okay, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, let's talk about the health of the team as they come back this week. Uh, Corey Clement on the IR out for the season. It looks like or out for a certain amount of time. Boston Scott promoted. Deshaun Jackson out at least another week. They're trying to get him back. Darren Sproles is out. Well, didn't you? I kind of figured that that Deshaun Jackson. They're going to be cautious with him. They need him. I think for they're the going to bring him back the for the season. Dallas game yeah, or try that. to have him ready for right. the Dallas game. Mm-hmm. I'm not terribly surprised that he's not going to be ready for the Minnesota game. Your thoughts as the team heads into Minnesota this weekend? This is the start of a really tough stretch for the Eagles. They've it's, got it's the a Vikings. Tough matchup. It really then they is. then they play at the Cowboys, at the Bills, home against the Bears, bye week against the Patriots at home and against the Seahawks at home. We're That's about to a, find out if they're a playoff. You're going to find out what this team is in the next 6 weeks mm-hmm. in terms of where they stand and, and and what's going on. The Vikings will be without their starting Will the guard. Patriots lose this year? At some point, but they're a pretty their, good team. Their defense is yeah, their incredible. De- their defense killed me in fantasy last night. Oh well, that's what's important. You know what? You're the how, one. How did their defense? You're the one kill talking you? about how Carson. Why Lynch the other is person had the Patriots? Defense? They had the Patriots, and oh. they got like how many all points these, did they? Uh, put up like 27 points. Oh, it's a big night for rough them. for you. Yeah, you're way me. down, oh, and it's oh. only Thursday. Yeah, that, it's Saturday. That's, that's it's the Friday worst now. when you come to Friday and you're already yeah. in a huge hole for the weekend. <laughs> How's your fantasy team it, doing? It's Jeff? just another reason to hate Thursday night football. I just love how you are right? so miserable about fantasy sports now with me. I'm not. You're the one that's miserable today. <laughs> hate Thursday night football. I, yeah. Everybody said it was a great game last night. It was a close game, 35-14. Yeah, <laughs> w- the almost upset, 35-14. <laughs> oh God, it was close. Yeah. Uh, hey, watch. Washington fired Jay Gruden. They told him to show up at the office. At, <laughs> Overdue. Huh? They told him to show up at the office at 5 a.m. to meet with the owner on Monday morning. If I know I'm getting fired, I'm not I'm not coming he in said early. in the presser he was the coach as long as his key worked. Monday morning his key didn't work. <laughs> Is there a worse way to go? Bill Callahan takes over there. They're going back to Case Keenum. Uh, I, the, the skins are the skins, man. They, who, <laughs> who, are they, who are they going to get to coach that team? Is is there so here's my question. Is Maybe there, you can get Jim Harbaugh out. Is of, is there a is there a worse owner in professional sports than Dan Snyder? No, but I think the Dolphins Dolan might be I close. think the Dolphins roster might be worse than the Redskins, right? No, but now. that's not what I'm talking about. It, it, if you're a head coach, even, I know there's only thirty two opportunities and all that good stuff. Is is the if you're a head coach, do you really want to go there? It is a mess. And well, their look, general manager is a mess. Through five weeks, four teams, the Bengals, Dolphins, Jets, and Redskins are all winless. That's the second most winless teams through five weeks in the Super Bowl era. The most since 2013. So the league so thinks? Is that the, what you're well, saying? Well, the, the disparity between the haves and have-nots, you're starting to see a gap of real good teams at the top, real bad teams at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just one team tanking for the number one draft pick at this point. The Dolphins are going to have to lose because the Redskins are just going to lose because they're the Skins. So uh, your thoughts on games this week? Anything stand out to you? Big mm-hmm. line again, uh, Cincinnati 11.5-point underdog against the Ravens. I can't believe Cincinnati's still in the NFL. <laughs> That's a, uh, uh, I just I just can't. They're just... Can we talk about how Pittsburgh's on like their fourth string quarterback now because they traded their backup? And hey, good move getting Minka Fitzpatrick. That, that, I told you that was not what they needed. That was an ugly hit on Mason Rudolph. It was. That was a that was a scary scary thing to see. 
Uh, any other games draw your attention? The over-under in the Rams-Niners game, that's a good matchup. Uh, it's a 50 and yeah, a half. I, I, look, I think the Eagles-Vikings game might be the best game of the week. Do you think the Niners are for real? Um, their defense is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, their offense, I'm, I'm not sold on the offense. and no. I'm not even sold on the running backs. Not yet? No. Uh, any college games draw your attention this weekend? Alabama, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Texas. I mean, they're LSU, Florida. Well, look, that, that's now that's a rivalry game. Yeah, but this is an early season rivalry. I love these early Penn season State, rivalry Iowa. Games. You got some good matchups of top twenty-five teams this week to watch. We don't have enough time to get into it, but we have to get in next week to the Houston football player who said that his coach is tanking the season, and he had a Twitter thread today that was. Pretty remarkable. How do you tank? You're talking about college football? He's asking people to redshirt not to play this season to maintain their eligibility. He says he's trying to tank this season. Jeff, extra Mm. time, two minutes, Philadelphia Union. Playoffs are next week. Dismal finish to the season. Uh, They they had the best regular season ever. Dismal. They they, They they, lost three of four down the stretch and blew an opportunity uh, to the best best teams in the league. They didn't lose to anybody bad. I'm just saying, 16 wins and 55 points are the franchise record. Right. That's not bad. It's only five points better than last year. So though. what? I, I'm just saying I expected more out of this team. They played better during the season than to finish the way that they did. I'm I'm hopeful that you know they got ten goals and three assists out of Fabian and Aronson this year. You know, well they've got players developing. Their next game, you're going to be there October 20th at 3 p.m. against the Red Bulls. I think, I think we Red should Bulls? be there. I think that's going to be a good game, and I think this time they'll take the Red Bulls. We should definitely try and get there. Any other thoughts going on in your mind last minute with what's going on in the sports world? I mean, look, we don't have enough time to talk about the whole Houston-China thing. But, but you want to talk about a tweet uh, that blew up. Yeah, I just think it's such an overreaction, and it is such a complicated issue, and people have just tried to boil it down to something that you just can't you can't do in tweets. Everybody looks for a soundbite to solve a problem Mm -hmm. because they want it to be resolved quickly. This is not one of those issues. I will say from a public relations standpoint, I believe the NBA has handled this horrible. Uh, I I just don't believe that they've handled it well, closing off questions at press conferences, making the issue canceling press conferences, canceling press conferences. None of those resolve the issue that is there. No. And and, and, and you have to appreciate it's a complicated issue. It def- it's, it's not something that you can do in, in a couple sentences. It definitely is. Any last thoughts, Jeff? Nope. Reporting for the Bluecoats? I will. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Oh, no, Thanks. no. Gritty 5K is Sunday. Go run. I will be. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night as we help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.